everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chatting in the City podcast, brought to you by the V-Track Lab at the University of Ottawa. I'm here with a very, very special guest, uh, professor of psychology, um, clinical, psych- clinical psychologist, and um, the research chair in mental health disparities. Is that right? That's right. That's right. All right. Dr. Monica Williams, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for asking me, inviting me, thinking about me and my work. It's my pleasure. Um, so I guess, first of all, I'd like to ask you how you got into the research you're doing, specifically about psychedelics and how it relates to the Black community. How did you get started? Did you always find it an area of you know interest? A- actually, quite the contrary. I had no interest at all in psychedelics for most of my career. It was really... Um, About maybe six years ago, uh, um, an organization reached out to me uh, called MAPS, a multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. And they were doing, um, they were preparing for phase three trials of MDMA for PTSD. MDMA, uh, people might know as ecstasy on the street. And um, they noticed that they had not had, um, you know, just about any people of color in, in either phase one and two studies. And they wanted to uh, to do better for phase three. So they saw an article um, in the New York Times about me and my work around racial trauma. And they thought, well, maybe I'd have some ideas for helping them diversify their work. So that's how it started six years ago. That's how it started, yeah. And was that just around the time when sort of there was a resurgence, people getting more interested into psychedelics, sort of bringing it back because you know people were really interested in it in the 50s and 60s, but then something happened, it kind of just went away. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's been, yeah, there's definitely been a resurgence. And yeah, for people who don't know, there actually was a, a lot of psychedelic research going on in the 50s and 60s. And, and uh, mental health professionals were using um, psychedelics regularly in therapy um, for treatment of addictions, believe it or not, and um, alcoholism. And then due to political reasons, um, of psychedelics were, were made illegal. Um, and this, you know, this had a ripple effect all over the world and um, shut down all the research studies. So in the last 10 years, there's been an effort to sort of slowly bring back the research to show that, that there's, something worth, there's something there worth studying and that there are benefit, mental health benefits for people, um, you know, in combination with therapy uh, for psychedelics. Right. Um, and you mentioned MAPS briefly as they were doing the MDMA study. How is it? Because, I mean... Obviously, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I know nothing about how to, you know, help someone in a psychotherapeutic context. How do you use a psychedelic within the context of, you know, psychotherapy? Um, Yeah, that's a good question, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. People think that, oh, I'm going to just pop a psychedelic and then I'll be cured of my PTSD or, you know, in in terms of what I study, racial trauma. And in fact, there have been some misleading, I'll say misleading um, media pieces about the work that we're doing, sort of implying that if you want to cure your racial trauma, like just go like pop some ecstasy or LSD. And that's not what we're saying at all. It's actually quite a process. And, um, and I would say it's not even necessarily faster or, um, you know, than traditional therapy for PTSD. But what strikes me about it is it seems to be more gentle, more humane in terms of how we treat PTSD. Um, in, in traditional um, sort of a behavioral type of treatment for PTSD, people come in to uh, the therapist's office and they're gonna talk in detail about their traumatic experiences. And that's very, very hard um, for 
uh, for clients to do. And, and it's often hard for therapists to hear um, because the person has to repeat their trauma in detail every session and even record it and listen to it as homework uh, every day. This is tough. So this is not, um, this isn't what happens with the psychedelic therapy. It's almost like the psychedelics are almost like a, like a medicine that's kind of helping the brain and the mind heal on their own. And for some people that will be talking in more detail about their trauma, but a lot of people, they just get new insights um, and new perspectives uh, just from the experience of the psychedelic. And then what happens is the therapists can help them process what came up for them and make sense out of it. And so, so that's how the therapy works. And I'm assuming it would be over probably months or a year. And is there, like, do you keep the same dose, the same dosage of the, you know, the psychedelic that you're giving them or do you increase, do you decrease across time or how does it go? Yeah, well, so the treatment, it is fairly uh, short term, um, you know, for the research studies. It's been um, more like months uh, than, than years. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, and it's really only for the MDMA studies we did, it's only three doses of MDMA. That's all it took. So, um, so the person would have some preparatory therapy at the beginning, really, really long therapy session on the MDMA, and then the next day integration session where they talk about what came up for them. And we do this three times. And, and some people only actually need it twice and they're better. Um, some people maybe need it four times, but, um, but by and large, um, it's, a, it's a pretty remarkable process, I'd say. And um, for, I guess, you know, the racial trauma as it relates to the black community, I'm very curious. And that was also a question I asked you when I reached out to you is how do you try to get this sort of emerging, you know, field of medicine into the black community? Because we already know the black community doesn't necessarily trust, you know, health services in general. So then how do you actually get them to, you know, convince them that, hey, there's this new thing that's coming up, it's psychedelics and it actually might help you within a, ther a therapeutic context? Yeah, well, I think it's really important for black people to see other black people um, involved in this work. And so that's one reason I'm kind of putting my face out there because I want the black community to know there's this really cool cutting edge treatment that's coming and I want us to all have a piece in it because you know what, right now, the way things are looking, we're not gonna have a piece. And, um, and I wanna make sure that, that our communities, which are very traumatized, um, have the opportunity to, to get the, the healing and the benefits um, from, from this sort of new approach to uh, mental health. And to what degree is it, um, I mean, I'm assuming most of the studies that are being done on psychedelics are in the States. I think some of them were in the UK as well, but what's it like here in Canada? Cause I mean, we are in Canada, so. Right. Um, well, you know, just, just like in the States, there's a lot of um, regulatory hurdles to pass in order to even be able to do the research. So I just got here in Canada, like a year and a half ago, I was here like what, uh, four or five months and then everything was locked down. So um, needless to say, the, the research has stalled a bit um, because a lot of it's on hold due to COVID because you just can't bring people into the clinic and give them psychedelics or anything for that matter. And then also just um, all the processes that you have to do even to get the approvals and so forth. This is all slowed down greatly. So my research in Canada is going really slow. Um, that being said, I am still doing some research in the States. So 
that was shut down temporarily as well, but it's picking back up and I'm hoping to be able to get through all of the red tape that I need to start doing the work here. We're really excited about um, doing some work uh, looking at uh, MDMA for traumatized refugees. And also we want to do a microdosing study of um, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, to see if that can help people who are suffering from racial trauma just by taking a little bit every day, you know, over a, a few weeks or a few months. So those are the those are the projects we're working on getting through um, the red tape right now, hoping to start soon. Yeah, those sound amazing. Um, especially, I mean, I think everybody has heard about microdosing uh, psilocybin. So to actually have a study empirically looking at that to see if it actually works. That'd be great, especially within, you know, you said refugees. Um, I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny that I've ever seen or touched psychedelics. I will not say that here on this podcast. Um, But yeah, it's another question relating to that is what's the difference to you in terms of research in the States versus here? I mean, you just said you're new here. So is it do you feel like there's a slight difference in terms of how we approach research here? Um. I think there's a lot of, there's probably more similarities than differences, but I will say that that people seem to be um, more open to the work that I'm doing here. I had a lot of obstacles in the States to doing the research. Actually, that's why I ended up leaving the University of Connecticut because the institution wasn't supportive of the work. Um, and so uh, so it seemed, it seemed like there was a lot more opportunity to do the work here. They just legalized cannabis here in, in Canada. So I thought, well, that maybe that's a good sign <laughs> that people are starting to be a little, little more flexible around some of these things and they'll at least let us study it. Uh, so, um, so I've found that people um, have been very, very welcoming other researchers who are doing this work. You know, they've, they've been fantastic. They've all reached out to me and welcomed me. And, um, and so I feel really good about, about doing this work here. And also my, my, um, my colleagues, the deans, the, you know, there's been a lot of support for it um, at the University of Ottawa. It's great to hear. And we're happy to have you. I mean, I can say so myself. Um, and to ask more specifically about the studies themselves, how do you, um, you get participants to come in, you try to describe the study, what the studies to them, how do you actually get them to, I mean, obviously you can't force them to, you know, engage in the study or to take anything, but how do you actually get to convince them that this is, you know, beneficial for their health. And it kind of relates to my earlier question about the black community. How would you essentially get out there, bring them in and then actually sit down and convince them that this is, you know, this might be beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is really important because, you know, for the, the psychedelic research, there's long, actually long, long lines of people just really dying um, to um, get in and, and, and get psychedelics for their, their troubles. But people of color, you know, are not, are not um, you know, mobbing us to get in for help. So we have to go out into the communities. We, we have to do a lot of community outreach to raise awareness about our, our research and what we're doing. And a lot of it is also building trust. So I've been doing this research a long time. I've been doing a lot of anti-racism work. I give a lot of talks and presentations in communities and, um, and, then, and then people start to get to know you. And then also, um, you know, and also we're interested in doing a lot of education around these issues as well. And I think a lot of times when people learn about, you know, all the exciting work that's being done and also the fact that, that people of color and black, black people in particular have not been included, people start to like wonder like, okay, wait a minute, 
we know how this works. Something new and cool is happening and we're being left out. So like, yeah, you're being left out. So let's make sure we're included. And that'll motivate people too, because, um, you know, because it, we've had just such a long history of, of either, you know, of, of, of uh, not getting, you know, all the, the goodies and definitely not when they first arrived. So, so I think when people realize what's been happening, it can kind of motivate them to want to learn more. Exactly. And I read a paper you wrote, I think it was last year, I can't remember the title, but it was essentially talking about how the Black community needs more people involved in the research itself, not just as participants, but also as researchers doing the work to show that, you know, this is a safer space, you know, somewhat like that. Oh, Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a long history of abusive research against racialized and vulnerable people in the States and Canada and all over the world, actually. So a lot of us have a lot of good reasons to be nervous. And believe me, if, you know, some white guy, you know, in a lab coat says, here, take this rainbow colored pill, it's going to make you feel better. I mean, I'm going to definitely be a little wary of that. Like, eh, I don't think so. (laughs) So. Um, recently Portland, was it Portland where they sort of, what is it, decriminalized everything? Um, yeah, the state of Oregon. Um, right. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I, I had a class, um, drugs and behavior last semester, and I was discussing that with a prof and she was ecstatic to have, you know, to hear about that. So I'm curious to get your perspective. Well, I mean, it's very exciting because I think it's, it's showing, you know, sort of the chink in the armor here. I think eventually many other states are going to follow and before long, um, you know, the whole country, it'll be available nationwide. And, um, and, and I think, you know, Canada uh, is come, it will be next. So, so this is very exciting. Of course, there's some concerns because they, le- they kind of legalized it across the board, including for therapy. There's no guidelines or regulations or, or ethical, um, you know, rules in place for people who want to be psychedelic psychotherapists. So my concern is that you're going to have a lot of people popping out of the woodwork, putting up a shingle saying, hey, come here for psychedelic therapy. You know, and some of those people are going to be great and some of them are going to be terrible. And there's a lot of potential for harm if you don't know what you're doing as a, as a therapist or guide. And that piece concerns me. Um, do you feel like you could, do you feel like you'd be able to train people as psychedelic psychotherapists? Because I mean, you're part of the clinical program at U Ottawa. So I'm curious, yeah. do you have any students who are interested in that work? Oh, lots of students who are interested in it. In fact, I don't know if you heard, we're starting a training program at U Ottawa for psychedelic psychotherapy. When? Well, we've actually already got a micro-credential program in place. It's three classes okay. um, that you could take as, at the graduate or undergraduate level. And if you take the three classes at the graduate level, you get a certificate. Um, and then also we've got a master's program in the works. And so um, the, the certificate program, like the same classes that are in the certificate program are part of the master's program with some additional courses. And so people can get a master's in, in psychedelic and consciousness studies. And so we're hoping that this will be like an important part of the preparation for people who want to do this work either as clinicians or as clergy in a religious context or as, as researchers. And this is as part, uh, it's part of the school of psychology. Uh, yeah, it's interdisciplinary actually with, um, you know, with the religious studies as well. And um, because my, my partner in crime on this, Anne Vallely, she's um, an anthropologist in, in religious studies. And so the two of us are, are um, launching this together. That's amazing. I mean, I'm just finishing now and you guys are doing this. Oh, wow. I won't oh, yeah. be here. 
Come back and join us. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I think so too. And it's so important to me too that our program is going to be very diverse. Um, I want to make sure that, um, that everybody's really well represented so that once psychedelics are available, we've got people who can take this back to their communities, you know, whether they're Black communities, Chinese communities, you know, Muslim communities. I mean, I, I really want to make sure that, um, you know, that everyone has a, has a chance at that, that it doesn't just go to, to the haves, and, and if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's, I mean, I remember uh, maybe like two years ago hearing um, a provost tell me that they were trying to get a master's program in psychology started um, because all we've had is a PhD, like MA PhD program, right, combined. Right. And they're trying to make sure they actually had a master's program because most people were just leaving because they're, you know, they don't want to commit to the whole PhD before, you know, so. Yeah, it's wow. a long walk. <laughs> it is. Um, we're coming up to the end of this. Uh, I know you have a lot to do, so I don't want to keep you too long. Um, do you have anything to promote? It's part of our little segment called the PSA and letting the promoter share. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one problem with this research is because these drugs uh, have been illegal for so long, it's hard to get any federal funding for the research. Sure. So all the research is either funded by industry sponsors, you know, which always makes you feel a little icky, frankly, or, or donations. <laughs> and so I just want to encourage people to please donate to our work. We have like a brand new button on our website. Uh, on mentalhealthdisparities.org where people can go and donate to our research. So I want to get the word out there about that. Okay, great. I'll add the uh, website here, mentalhealthdisparities.org. I'll add that here. Um, anything else? Um, no, that, that's it. Just, you know, uh, spread the word. And, um, you know, it, those of you who are, you know, in Black communities, you know, start having conversations about it, you know, learn about it, talk to your friends about it. Um, you know, it, it, it's coming. So um, and if any of you are who are listening to this would like to be, um, would like to participate in our studies, please reach out to us because, um, because we, we do need your involvement um, to make, make this available for you. Yeah, please do participate. Um, and lastly, do you have anything to ask me? Any questions? Yeah, I would love to hear more about, you know, your observations um, in terms of what people are thinking and saying about psychedelics in the black community. Um, I don't know much. I haven't really, I don't really talked to a lot. Well, I haven't spoken to many black people about psychedelics. Like we said, yeah. you know, it's just not a thing that, you know, people talk about, I guess. Um, but I think just for younger people in general, it is changing. So people are more open to, you know, learning about them, to, you know, it's not the 70s anymore. It's not, you know, if you take this, you will die in two hours. It's, you know, things have changed. So um, I think there's a change coming within the younger people as well, which will actually help and propel the research. So that's what I see. Great. Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, the participants we did have when I started this work um, were all like students and young people. So. It does seem like there's a shift in attitude for the, for the generations. Yes, there is. Uh, well, that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time and um, keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for, for getting the word out. Thank you.